Here's the podcast, Making Wellbeing Work. We look at workplace wellbeing from both angles, that of the organization and that of the individual. We know that mentally healthy organizations believe in inner work and mentally healthy people know that they need to engage to evolve. Inner work is about organizations truly checking in on their people and adapting their company culture as is needed. Engage to Evolve is about individuals realizing that they're in the driver's seat of their own lives and with that, able to decide on how they approach work, their employer and their well-being. It's the workplace's point of connection between the organization and the individual that we'll talk about here and how both parties have a role to play in workplace well-being. So welcome to Making Well-Being Work. Hello, welcome to Making Well-Being Work. I'm your host, Natalie Wood, with my co-host, Susanna Harkonnen. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the wisdom of your nervous system, how our autonomic nervous system makes split-second decisions that have an impact on how we view the world and how we react to it. We'll also be discussing different types of safety that are relevant in an organizational and in a work context. Hello, Susanna. Let's please start with a topic that you've written on quite a bit and you've spoken about, um, which is the polyvagal approach at work. Just maybe very briefly fill us in on this word and what this is, this polyvagal approach and the theory and how that affects our working life. The polyvagal theory has been developed by Dr. Stephen Porges, who's a neuroscientist, and it's basically a science of safety. Nice. <laughs> nice. So it's based on three premises, very simple ones. The first one is called neuroception, and it's about how we perceive safety and threat. So we're biologically wired to scan for safety and threat all the time. And many people in today's world know about the fight and flight reactions and so on, but this goes way beyond. There are different states that go way beyond the fight and flight. And neuroception is something where we scan in constantly whether a person, a situation, uh, something that comes from inside of our bodies makes it, how does it feel? Exactly. And we make those decisions based on how we perceive the world. So psychological threat is actually as important as a physical threat. And in today's world, you know, frankly, we have much less physical threats, especially in the Western world. We have much more psychological threats than we have um, physical threats. So the first one is the neuroception, scanning of safety and threat. And this leads then to nervous system states. This has, has a link with the um, autonomic nervous system. And depending on the information that we get, we go into different states. So it's like a traffic light. You know, you have a green where you chilled and you're having fun and you enjoy yourself. You can have fun with other people and you're trusting. You're digesting, you're resting, digesting. You're safe. You're safe. The next level is the yellow one, the yellow zone, where you're no longer resting and enjoying. You're no longer safe. You have the option of fighting or fleeing. Yeah, you're on alert. You're not running yet either. You're on you're, alert. You could be running, but you have that decision. You still have agency. What am I going to do in this situation? And then when the threat becomes overwhelming, you go into the red area where you become paralyzed. So anxiety, for example, is we're still in the yellow zone when we're anxious. Depression right. is more when we are already in the red. 
That's it's interesting. So the red simplified way of explaining it. So I, you know, if you have yeah. anxiety or depression, it's very helpful. I think it's very helpful though, because if I hear you right, the red is actually the freeze. Yes, it is. The it's freeze. not any more fight or flight because you are no longer acting. Yeah. The red is the freeze. Mm -hmm. You're paralyzed, mm -hmm. and you have no, you don't feel that you have agency. Mm -hmm. So burnout typically happens there. When you try, you try in the yellow, you try, you try, you try, and you can't cope or situation doesn't improve, then you give up and you go into the freeze. I cannot do anything about this. My body gives up. We've touched upon some basics here already that maybe are just very worth wrapping up. No, hold on, because the polyvagal oh. theory has three parts. So please give us the third yeah. part. Okay, so it has three parts. We, have, we already talked about the neuroception, the threat, mm -hmm. safety, then the nervous system hierarchy, the, mm -hmm. the, the traffic lights mm -hmm. and then the third one and perhaps the most important one is the human connection we talked about the science of safety and one of the premises of the polyvagal theory is that we are meant to co-regulate with each other we are meant to be running for our lives and then come back to the cave with our tribe and co-regulate and come back to the green and in today's world, unfortunately, this connection has been disrupted. You cannot have the same connection over devices. Apps don't provide that same connection. We're really biologically wired to be with each other. You know, find those, as apes do, they find fleas in each other's fur. This is how we were also built. You've mentioned co-regulation. Makes me think of emotional regulation that we do via emotional touch yeah a hug what do you do if, if your child comes in and it's crying you don't send a message on a device you give a hug and you even give adults that you like you, you will look for some physical touch and also what you cannot do on a device is just be with somebody something that we've become a bit bad at just being with somebody feeling with them and just being there not wanting to fix yes. i guess that's that's, the part, that's absolutely part of it and where this it gets tricky is that trauma is a permanent disruption in connectedness so people with early developmental trauma or trauma in general do not have this ability to trust others and they may actually misread the cues so the nervous system sees something as a threat even if it's not and the more we have disconnected people traumatized people and when I say traumatized, I don't mean traumatized by war or famine or horror. No, cap no capital T trauma. No capital yeah. T trauma here. But early and developmental trauma is actually the most common trauma in the Western world. I heard a definition of trauma by Dr. Valerie Rain. She says trauma is any moment you did not feel safe. So this lack of safety translates into being hypervigilant with everybody, wanting to hide behind the screen your devices, and so on. And this is essentially what makes us human being and what makes us safe. So to mm -hmm. go back to safety, you know, we need other human beings. So our, our you, biggest yeah. problems come from people and our biggest solutions come from people as well. Yeah, I, I like to stress that the top priority of our brains always are being safe. Always. That's always going to overrule anything else that we're doing. And yes, we continuously scan our environments for what is new and what is changing. 
That's why we are so easily distracted. This is a safety mechanism, because if there's something new in the environment, I'd better see it. If something's changing around me, I'd better see it. And then it's either a threat, which I need to react to, I'm not safe, or we're curious. If it's not a threat, I might want to go after it. Sure. But speaking further of safety and really going more into the workplace, I know that you speak about three different types of safety that are relevant in an organizational context. Could you maybe take us through those, please? Yes, there's, there's much talk about safety at the moment in terms of mental health, for example, you know, what are the psychosocial safety and health standards? Psychological safety is in everybody's ears. Yeah, but that's the psychosocial safety and health, there's psychological safety, and then there's nervous system safety. And those and are the three types of safety that you speak about, right? Those are the three types of safety that I, I speak about. And it's important that all three come together. Because one without the other is going to erode the sense of safety. And let me explain. Yeah, take us through the three. Just mention the three once more. So we've got... We got the psychosocial safety and health, which is in organizations, the structures, frameworks, policies, and so on, prevention that companies can put into place. Mm -hmm. Then you have the psychological safety in teams, which is about mm -hmm. the ability to speak up, uh, question status quo, collaboration, innovation, engagement. It's about positive change. And where do we go as a team? Within the team, yeah. yeah and the third the one? And the third one is nervous system safety. Okay. The polyvagal piece. How is our nervous system feeling? Are we feeling safe? Are we feeling threatened? And that is linked to um, thinking, openness to learning, ability to learn, self-awareness, stress management skills. All of those things are then linked to our nervous system safety, mental health mm -hmm. challenges. So if we take them in turn, each of these, yeah, maybe maybe take us through them. How, how do we build them? How are they impacted? How are they relevant? Yeah, maybe if you take us through each one of them. The, the most re relevant is the nervous system safety. Individual nervous system safety is the basis for everything. Let me give you an example. Because it's so fundamental, a person who is feeling unsafe and in a threat reaction is not a good team member is not able to collaborate properly. They might be hypervigilant. They might be looking for threat. They might be um, stabbing others in the back. All of these things happen when you're not feeling safe. Because you want to get yourself back into safety, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you cannot build psychologically safe teams on demand. There's a lot of talk about psychological state yeah. safety, and I'm a big fan of it. You know, I think it's great when it works. We talked about dream teams in one of our sessions. You know, this mm -hmm. is what happens in a dream team. You feel psychologically safe and you have a great time and you can innovate and you can be yourself. It's and a do good work. Place to be. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, it's a great place to be in. But psychological safety cannot be built on demand, saying like, hey, leader, fix that psychological safety or let's do a workshop on psychological safety. No. It can be helpful in understanding certain concepts. For awareness, maybe. For awareness, but to actually build that safety, you need much more. And uh, nervous system safety is in the body. It's not in the mind. So it's a felt, lived experience. It's not a concept. This distinction is super important. Because people, I'm... intelligent people often think that they can think themselves safe. You cannot do that. I really like that you um, stress that we always forget that mind and body are connected via the neck. There's one blood flow. Yeah. And there's the intelligence trap. People have written about this, this research on the intelligence trap. 
the more intelligent people are, they let, the more they think that they can actually fix this. And, and this nervous system safety is something that is under our conscious control. It often flies under the radar because the, the reactions are just there and you don't even pay attention to them. And the intelligence trap is actually trying to cut the head off from the rest, isn't it? You're yeah, you're the talking to head it. and your body is giving you cues and you, you ignore them or you think that you can, you can handle them or you can manage them with your mm -hmm. intelligence and with mm -hmm. your knowledge. And this is why knowledge doesn't change behaviors. Mm -hmm. The knowledge action gap is actually huge. Anyway, that's, everything. that's a topic of a conversation for another conversation. It, it is, yes. Uh, you know, I have a lot to say about behavior change. One thing I would like to say here, though, is that, as you mentioned, the psychological safety cannot be built in a workshop and nervous system safety does not happen with a flip of a switch like any kind of behavior it takes time and consistent reaffirming consistent practice consistent steps to create it over time doesn't it yeah and it's important to understand that nervous system safety is not behavior it's a biological reaction mm -hmm. in your body you can learn to detect it or be better at de de detecting it and having healthier responses to it you can heal your unhealthy nervous system reactions with effort but it's not a behavioral shift as such i understand it is behavior or certain things you do that will help it heal but it's not that if you start learning those behaviors that automatically or if you teach those behaviors automatically everybody has a, no. a, a no. feeling of their nervous system how do you know where you stand in terms of feeling safe and what could people watch out for and do be aware that this is happening we're quite capable of detecting our our states unless you're feeling really chilled and well you're not in the green which is okay from time to time right because i mean our nervous system has all of these abilities uh, for excellent point the, the goal is not to be in the green all the time not at all our biology is not meant for that way the goal is to come back to know how to re-regulate. How yeah. to re-regulate and bring yourself back so that you can actually find that place of safety again. Can we just cover the other two areas of safety briefly as well? We tapped into psychological safety. Maybe that's the next one to go to. Yeah, the psychological, psychological. safety. I think that we already discussed this. It's that you cannot have a safe team if you have very unsafe team members. And especially if you have an unsafe leader in their nervous system. Not insecure leader. This is unsafe leader. Very different. Because you can use security as a way to claim that you are safe, whereas it's actually a way that you are navigating your unsafety. Yeah. Right. Or masking it. Um, and managers create safety in their teams. Just as therapists create safety in a, in a relationship with a client. The therapeutic alliance is the relationship that you have with your client or with clients have with their therapists. And it's built on safety and trust. So in many ways, the polyvagal piece is also a science of not only safety, but a science of trust, a science of love, if you take it to the next level. But when a manager is feeling safe, if, when a therapist is feeling safe, when a teacher is feeling safe in their nervous system, people around them can feel it. This is the constructive manager who can give and take feedback, human, compassionate, mature, Still so, asking for results, but not being unreasonable when people aren't well. And... Exactly. And that has a ripple effect. So managers really have an incredibly important role to play. 
And my hope is that more and more managers will actually start understanding how their own nervous systems work and how they can use that in knowledge and awareness to benefit themselves, their families, and people that work for them, their organizations. It does have a huge ripple effect. It's like you can't help anybody if you are not first safe yourself. You can't create safety if you don't have it like this, which reminds me of the plane. First, put your own oxygen mask on, because if you yes. don't, you soon won't be able to think straight anymore and you won't be able to help anybody else. So yes, you have to create your own safety first and from there you can build. Yeah. And that's why I would rather see organizations working on the nervous system safety first than on psychological safety, or at least working in parallel with them. I understand. Because unsafe leaders and team members undermine any effort in psychological safety. Then the third piece is the psychosocial safety and health. And that is in some ways the easiest one because it's basically legislation, it's policies, it's structures, frameworks on how do we handle conflict situations, how do we handle grievances. And that framework, that structure often, you know, predictability builds safety for the human being. Very true. So when you have an organization that has clear, fair, transparent procedures in place, that creates safety. That are followed. That are followed. followed, (laughs) Yes. So all these come together. They reinforce each other, but none of them alone is enough for a healthy organization. And if you want to talk about, you know, well-being at work, human sustainability at work, even performance and efficiency, all of these are a combination of the three. You have structures, you have people who are feeling safe, and therefore you have teams that are more innovative and collaborative. And it makes perfect sense. And in a way, it's quite simple. If you start understanding a a little bit of biology, you kind of get to this logic why you would start with individual safety, nervous system safety first. And all of these in a way that actually makes sense. So it doesn't have to be something mysterious or something complicated. There are things that you can do with your staff on their nervous system safety, you can train people, you can build better structures, you can do that coaching on, on psychological safety as well, but they have to be done in parallel or in, in a sequence at least, because none of them alone is going to yield or provide and the that- that you want. Looking at these three types of safety, I feel we we already had quite some conversations about the psychosocial risk and the structures to put in place and how to. So if people would like to go back to previous episodes to, to understand a little bit where to start, I think we've got good material there and you're very invited to do so. I'd like to touch a little bit upon the nervous system safety and the psychological safety in terms of what benefits that really brings. What do you do at work with that? Why do you start really paying attention to that? And where does it take you? If you do it has multiple benefits starting from financial benefits we already have an episode speaking about financial benefits i think it's important to recognize that companies exist to make a profit mm-hmm. and these efforts should be there to help the companies take care of their employees but also to perform uh, well so i'm in all in favor of having systems that are catering to well-being plus performance and hence all three together are enablers of better performance. You prevent good performance or efficiency by undermining people's well-being and nervous system safety. I really like that you say that because we are biologically wired to do things. We are curious. We want to try new things. We want to perform. We want to 
make things better. We have built the world that we have built because we are curious and have this drive. And to get more of this drive is not via pressure, 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 but it's actually via fostering the environment that allows us to look out and thrive, isn't it? The staggering numbers of people who aren't well in the workplace at the moment come from the fact that they are not safe. Most of the mental health problems come from that space. Most of the conflicts come from that place. I'm being generous here and saying most, not all. I would almost be tempted to say all. All conflicts and issues are somehow linked to the nervous system unsafety. So therefore, companies do have an incentive to bring these three together financially and emotionally and, and performance-wise. Mm. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Small steps can be taken in the right direction, but there's a fundamental, it's almost like a paradigm shift in our thinking. Yes. Safety first. Yes, and not just in the manufacturing environment where that is the case. We already say safety first there with safety shoes and safety helmets and whatnot, but safety first for every single employee in their skin. And when you say people are not safe, so a lot of problems are based on the fact that people are not safe, I think I would just like to be very clear on that. It means they do not feel safe. Their nervous system is signaling to them that they are not safe. If you look at them from the outside, you will say, oh, that's a safe place to work. But their system is signaling to them it is not safe. Right? That, that's what and we mean so, by And psychological threat is as much of a threat for our nervous system as a physical threat. Same brain pathways. The, path, yeah. the brain does not have a pathway for physical threat or for psychological threat. It's one same uh, when the brain processes yeah. it. And yeah. the relentless competition and pushing people and disconnection in, in human connectedness creates that unsafety. So if we change the paradigm and we really start thinking about it from a nervous system perspective or just thinking it differently, here is something that does make a difference. I've seen it has made a huge difference in my life. I've seen it make a huge difference in many other people's life. Complete shift in how they operate and how they think and how they behave. Mm -hmm. That is what I'd love to see in organizations. We put on another hat and we recognize that this is not something in the mind, it's in the body, it's normal biological reaction. How can we do things differently? And how can we build those structures that actually support our people being, being well? And we are, with that, making our organizations more robust. So we are not doing away with organizations and we are not losing money. No, we are actually continuing the growth of the organization, but with a paradigm shift in a sustainable way, in fact. Thank you, Susanna. I think this was a very insightful episode. I hope our audience enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and it maybe made you more curious still about what you can do to increase your nervous system safety and the safety in people around you. I hope you understand that relationships, your performance, your thinking, your overall work and life and the overall organization really rests on all of us working towards safety. And that that is really where organizations can begin to improve workplaces for the benefit of the individuals, as well as the growth of the business and the well-working teams within it. You will find references in the show notes as always, and we hope to have you on again next time. Thank you for listening to Making Wellbeing Work. If you find our podcast insightful, please share or leave us a review on any of the usual podcast platforms. 
If you'd like to learn more, have any questions or comments, please reach out to us via our LinkedIn pages or our respective websites. All links are in the show notes. And we hope to have you on again next time.